Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second edition of Digital Kill, the Radio Star podcast. Uh, my name is David Hudson. I'm here once again with my friend Chris Craig. Uh, Chris, one episode down, starting the second one. We haven't gotten fired yet. No, no. Um, we got a lot of ideas we can do, so we're just getting warmed up. Yes, we are. Um, as we're taping this, it's the Saturday after the Super Bowl. Did you happen to watch the Super Bowl? I did. Um, I was glad to see the Falcons lose. I'm a die-hard Saints fan, so um, about the only thing better than the Saints winning is seeing the, the Falcons lose in that fashion. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I knew when I was watching the game, I knew who you were pulling for without, <laughs> without asking you and our mutual friend, Shannon. Um, well, let's get right to it. Um, the halftime show of the Super Bowl has become kind of a... Uh, a Joke? Cult, a, well, it's a joke, but it's it's a um, it's probably what gets talked about the most about the Super Bowl, to be honest with you. Um, except we had probably the greatest Super Bowl of all time this past time to yeah. talk about. Um, you know, it, it's just I think they're smart in what they're doing because they're getting eyes on the product. Um, as somebody who's a fellow music fan, it, it's you know like you are. It's frustrating. I will tell you this. I thought it was very interesting. This isn't really a political rant, but my Facebook was lit up the day of the Super Bowl with people saying it was going to be a political uh, performance. Well, she, she did lead us to believe it was going to be. But she said it was, you know, going to be all inclusive. And I mean, there was nothing. <laughs> there was no. I, I, I found nothing political about um, her performance. If anything, it was very subtle. But I thought really it was kind of a unifying. Performance. Right. I mean, I, look, I, we've talked about this. I, I, I respect Lady Gaga. I don't listen to Lady Gaga. It's not my style. But, you know, I am I thought she did well. You know, I really did. It's not who I wanted. It's not who I would have picked. But I thought she did well. It's a good performance. I have no, I mean, no complaints with it. It, it, it. You know, it is what it is. Um, one of the things that I will tell you that I, that I thought, um, from everything I've read, that was a live mic she had. And um, lip syncing, you can ask my wife, with stuff like this. I am observing, I am trying to find where they're lip syncing because it's a pet peeve. I know if you're, if you're a, you know, a music lover, um, a pop music lover, then that probably doesn't bother you because most of who you listen to, they're probably going to lip sync. Britney Spears hasn't been in a live mic probably in her career. Uh, doubt that's even her singing uh, on the albums. Uh, just kidding. I, I think Pro Tools is her friend. Um, anyway, I thought it was uh, performance was fine. The singing was fine. And one of the things that was interesting, she did kind of buck a tradition. There were no special guests. Okay. No, there wasn't. It really didn't need to be. Um, very good uh, performance, like I said, for what it was. Um, you know, I knew we were going to talk about this, did some research. Um, and really, the halftime performance didn't really even start having people that you would call headliners until 1988. Before that, it was most of the time it was marching bands. Um, you know, the Super Bowl has grown in cultural significance uh, to the point now it's it probably should be a holiday. Everybody should probably get the day off uh, on Monday. Or at least move it to Saturday. At least move it to Saturday. Um, but do you know who the first real headlining? Halftime performer was tell me Chubby Checker, nineteen eighty eight. Now there were some uh, there were some other 
uh, halftime performances before that where it was a marching band and there may be some, you know, like a an opera singer or something performing with them. But he was the first, like, hey, it's Chubby Checker. And that's probably the last time it was Chubby Checker that uh, anybody's really heard Yeah, that's him. interesting. Um, so, you know, you and I discussed this. Um, I was just going to go over what I think were a couple of good Super Bowl performances and some terrible ones. And, you know, you, you expound on that and, and give me your feelings. I think the best one I ever saw was U2, direct right after 9-11, the Superdome. Uh, they played um, Beautiful Day, very upbeat song. And they played Where the Streets Have No Name. And as they started to play it, as you know, you know, I've been to Superdome numerous times. That's a huge building. A uh, screen came up from behind the band that had the names of everybody that died in 9-11. And yeah, it, I remember it, that. It took the entire song for it to... Uh, get to the top and at the very end of the performance um, Bono opens his coat up and it's an American flag um, very dramatic performance another one that I think was technically better that I enjoyed more but you have to take in the cultural significance of post 9-11 was when Prince did it and he did it in the rain it started raining ironically during purple rain and one of the things that made that performance unique was he did a cover of Foo Fighters, Best of, what's the song, is it Best of Me? or I don't know the name of it, I know what you're talking about. And Dave Grohl had no idea. So Dave Grohl's at home watching the uh, the Super Bowl, and he just said his mouth hits the floor. He's like, Prince is covering my music, you know? Uh, another one that I thought was really good was Tom Petty. Um, they approached Tom Petty and said, we want you to do a medley of hits, and he says, I don't do medleys. We do the whole song, or we're not, we're not doing it. Um, which you got to respect that because a lot of artists are going to do anything they can to get on that halftime. It's going to sell records. It's going to sell records. And my f my fourth favorite one, this is going to surprise you, is Bruce Springsteen. Um, some people may say it was cheesy. I thought it was great when they did Glory Days. And uh, uh, little Steven and uh, Bruce are going back and forth. And, Steve, and Bruce is saying, we're going to go to overtime. We're going to get a delay of game. In that's, a that's Steve, man. That's, that's, that's Steve. That, he does that at all. He does that type of stuff at the shows. I mean, he wasn't doing trying to he wasn't trying to do anything different or be cheesy. I mean, it's just who he is. I right. thought it was cool. It, and it, it, the favorite part at the end is Bruce goes, what time is it? The music stops. Boss Steve, time. It's boss time. The fireworks go off. And the way the camera angle was, you, you couldn't beat that. Um I have four that I think are terrible performances. Black Eyed Peas was not even the addition of Slash for about 30 seconds could salvage that. Um, if you're a Black Eyed Peas fan, you're probably not listening to this podcast. So I don't think we're going to upset the apple cart with that one. Katy Perry. Oh, yeah, that was dreadful. I remember they had all that those weird characters. Sharks. Yeah, that. yeah, that's right. That, that was so stupid. And um, another one that could have been good if you'd have left off the final two acts, I believe it was 99. It was Aerosmith with Britney Spears and NSYNC. It was when the, um, what was this, Jaded was the single they had out at the time. Okay. Um, anyway, they wound up, all of them on the stage at the same time. I remember time. Britney looked really hot because I was in her time. But yeah. That's about the only thing they had going for it. And, and then you bring it, yeah, she, that, was it NSYNC that you said came yeah, out with them? And yeah, she was that, dating Justin Timberlake. Oh, yeah, that was, that was terrible. I'll be honest with you, I think Justin Timberlake is a pretty talented guy. His music doesn't necessarily do anything for me. Uh, pretty talented guy. And then the, the, this one is going to surprise you, The Who. I thought they were pretty bad. And I've done some research. 
they had never watched an American football game in their life and honestly did not understand the magnitude of what they were doing. If you watch it, now, you know, one of the great things about Pete Townsend is he's sloppy. One of the bad things about Pete Townsend is he's sloppy. And depending on how sloppy he is alive, you know, that can greatly change. Well, I don't think Daltrey sounds very good live anymore. Right. I mean, he's a lot of miles on those votes. I mean, you got somebody like McCartney who still sounds great live, but, you know, it it's kind of left Daltrey. So I've gone over some, you know, some some notable Super Bowl uh, performances. What are what are some that you can think of, or criticisms, or praise that you have? Well, I mean, the first, uh, the two that you that you mentioned, three of them you mentioned that I really love, of course, was the U two one because that was that was powerful. I mean, the the Patriots even won the Super Bowl for God's sake. That was their first time. I mean, right. the, everything was it was so patriotic. Right. Um, that was a special one. Uh, the Springsteen one, I'm just a huge Springsteen fan, so that was that was cool to me. Like I said, he, he brought his concert to the stage for about 15 minutes, and that's what I thought was cool about his. It wasn't so much catering to the Super Bowl crowd. He played his show. That's the way they are. The Prince one, yeah, that's a legendary one. That one's going to always be remembered. Um, criticisms, they cater to a small, small segment of the population watching the Super Bowl, but quite honestly, they're going to watch it no matter what because they're at a Super Bowl party, and that's why they're there. They're not watching the game. They don't care. And you're going to give us, you know, Beyonce. Um, that's one you could easily add it on your worst. But um, they're going to give us Beyonce. They're going to give us, you know, Katy Perry. Really, NFL? You think that's what we listen to? You think that's what the NFL fans are getting excited for? Oh, hell yeah. Katy Perry's going to do the halftime. No. We don't want that. Um, I just wish they would stick to rock bands. Um, now, I know there's not a lot out there. Well, there are a lot, but there's not a lot that are popular these days. Because we were joking about it earlier. People think the only rock band that exists is the Foo Fighters. Um, and then there's so many bands that have gone, that have already performed. You know, your your Springsteen, your McCartney's, the, you know, the Stones, you too. So you don't really want to start recycling, but, you know, there are some glaring snubs on there that they could be putting in. Um, Metallica. That, that's that's the no-brainer. Well, I mean, it's like, okay, somebody could say, okay, well, they're, they're so heavy. They've got, they've got plenty of songs that are not very heavy. I could see them doing, we talked about this, I could see them doing something like Sad But, but True. Definitely, you know, Inner Sandman, because that's played it just about every game you Turn go to. Turn the page. Yeah, or or um, whiskey in the jar. I mean, that's yeah, or even doing doing uh, the Unforgiven. I could see him doing something like that. Uh, even though I hate the song Fuel, terrible song, but I could see them doing something like that. Or or uh, what was the one that came on the that '96 album that was so bad it, until it bleeds. Um, so I mean, they're they're a big snob. You take um, not to interrupt you, but you know one of the big things about the Super Bowl performance is the visual aspect. Um, you're always going to have the people on the field. They usually either have something glowing in their hand or something to wave around. Imagine what they could do with the intro to Inner Sandman. Yeah. They could have the whole state. If you, if you've ever, is it Virginia Tech that comes to the stands, their football team, to Inner Sandman? I don't know. It's an ACC team. I can't remember. You know, and the fans are waving the towels, you know, in conjunction with the – that writes itself. 
And just the pyro that they would do for something like that would be so cool. You mentioned Van Halen, too. You had mentioned that to me earlier. And I hadn't really thought about that one, but yeah, we know we know we know David doesn't sound too good these days, but who cares? It's Van Halen. That would just be super cool. You know for a fact that's a live mic with him. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh yeah. yeah, and and um you know, just seeing his goofy self slide on his little whatever that is that he slides around on the stage. And then, you know, I thought that... Uh, I actually think if they did that, it would be better to do it with Hagar because, A, the Hagar era, those songs are a little more easily accessible because they're more, a little more pop-leaning, and Hagar is willing to do jump. And, yeah. And, and ain't, you know, ain't talking about love. You know, he, they, they would do those. Man, I don't care. Just get one of the singers. I think it would be good. And then now that Guns N' Roses has gotten back together... There's no discussion of Guns N' Roses, but again, I respect Lady Gaga. But you're gonna go Lady Gaga, and you're just gonna ignore Guns N' Roses. I, I don't know. So it, I, I thought that Guns N' Roses would be a one a, a band that you would bring up. I came up with their with their set on the way up here. Welcome to the jungle, live and let die, and then from there you could do you could be mine, and you could end it with Paradise City. And those are four songs. Uh, Live and Let Die, I'll be honest with you, is a song on their album that I skip every time. Yeah, it's kind of filler. It was the biggest surprise to me when we saw them in concert. That was the one I was expecting, hey, when they play Live and Let Die, I may sit down. But you can do, you know, and I saw I, I saw McCartney, and when he played, you know, obviously a McCartney song, when he played that song, and I'm not even a huge fan of, of it when he does it, but the pyro that he did was probably the best for that song than any on that of that whole right. show. So there's just some, they can really use that song. It's a fun song for bands to play. And it appeals, it's going to appeal to a generation older than us. You know, it came out in the seventies, was, was a big hit. Um, a band that you and I have not discussed that I think would be good, but I think they would really have to worry about the political overtones. If you gave them, if you unleashed them is green day. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't, I, I think I hear you, but I think it'd be a bad idea. At this point, I think they're they're too political. And look, this is not a political show, but they're they're very, very, very far left. You could border on radical, and right. that's just not going to play well to Middle America. They have the hits though that they could. I mean, they could definitely pull it off. They have the hits, but I, I think they would want to make a statement, and their their statement would be what most of America does not want to hear. It, that's true. And another band that. Technically has done the Super Bowl halftime show, but only for about half a song that I think could pull it off as the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, they could. Um, Enough hits. Um, they're kind of pleasing to every, you know casual fans. The soccer moms know who they are. You know the teeny boppers have heard you know their music. So I, that was another one that I was thinking of. Yeah, it's just um, I don't know. I mean, it just it just feels like they're they're making too much of these big pop artist and I don't know I just I just want I just want rock and roll I agree I mean the people that watch the NFL now NFL is a ratings juggernaut usually and you are going to have a lot of uh, you know housewives listening to it but the core you know the core people that listen to that watch the NFL they're not going to be upset if Metallica comes on I don't think they, they wouldn't be upset with any of the bands we named right right um Maybe in the future they'll listen to us and put Metallica's got a new album out. They're about to start a world tour this time next year. They, they're supposed to be back in North America. So um, 
that's one that needs to happen. If you think about it, it's just been progressively pop for the last four or five years. You know, you had Bruno Mars, Katy Perry, Black Eyed Peas, uh, Lady Gaga, Beyonce. It, Beyonce. It's time for it's time for two guitars, a bass, and a, and a drum. Yeah. Um, which uh, that's going to lead into our main show topic of the day. Um, and Chris and I are both going to climb uh, pretty high on our soapbox on this, probably. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, it's been in the news lately because there's a new round of inductees going in this year. And um, it's a sham, um, a scam. I'm sorry, but most of it is um, with the people that have been left out, the people that have been inducted when they've been inducted, the process. And uh, Chris and I are gonna are, are gonna delve into this pretty deep. Um, Chris, your your initial uh, feelings. I have the 2017 inductees. I'm just gonna roll them out there, and and, and you throw out your opinions. Okay. Just briefly, and we'll go back to this Electric Light Orchestra. You know, I'm not real familiar with the band. Don't have a, I don't have a problem with them being in. I mean, I'm kind of indifferent on that. I think, like we've talked about a few other people, they're a musicians' band. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, this is the next one, Joan Baez. Not my cup of tea, but I know, I know she, she means a lot to a lot of people. She's very, I mean, she's kind of like a female Dylan, so I get it. Journey. Deserving. Pearl Jam. Deserving. I mean, it, they got in because, like, we, what we're gonna kind of go along this. It, it's a. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt you and kind of go long on this one, but it's become a lot of these music critics that are very snobby and they want to pick the cool kid, you know, and they, and it's all, it's, it's all they, I don't, they're, they're very, they're kind of elitist with music and I see why Pearl Jam, you know, that they kind of, that cool hip Thing and they so they get in very first ballad and again. I they need to be in there, but it, it just didn't surprise me if they went in on the first go. Yes, the band. Yes, um, you know I'm gonna throw them with uh, electric light orchestra. Know the band, know some of their songs. Not familiar enough. Um, Definitely a musicians. Band. Well, yeah, I mean they're important to you know a, a lot of you know a lot of bands. You know they're. Prog rock band and you know not a bad selection. The last one is one that we're going to double back to because it's going to be the uh, focal point of a rant here in a little bit. Tupac Shakur. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm vehemently opposed, but you know we can. I don't know. Do we talk about it now or do we? Well, what I was going to do, I was going to. I have a brief history of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the selection pro uh, process. And I was going to go into that and then turn it over to you and let you get on the soapbox okay. and preach on. Okay. Uh, as we know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is located in Cleveland, Ohio, which that in itself is a mistake. Uh, mainly it's there because Alan Freed coined the term rock and roll on a radio station in Cleveland. But the music that he coined rock and roll came from, Chris, as we're recording, how far away from Sun Studios? Five miles? Six miles? Probably three probably three miles from Sun Studios. Uh, Elvis, everybody, uh, initially. El Elvis, Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis, Roy Orbison, Carl Perkins. Perkins. Uh, Sam Phillips was the one that was in charge of Sun Studios at the time. Uh, could argue maybe, other than Elvis, maybe the second most important person in rock and roll because without him, 
in his vision, you know, that music would not affect Well, yeah, him. I mean, you had to have Elvis, and you had John Lennon said it best, that the quote, if you drive over to Graceland, that quote is still on the marquee of a hotel. It's a quote from John Lennon. It says, before Elvis, there was nothing. That's correct. And one of the reasons it wound up being in Cleveland is uh, Cleveland and Memphis got in, a, got in a bidding war, and Cleveland ponied up $65 million. Now, uh, like I said, I grew up about an hour and a half south of Memphis at the time that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, opened up. Um, Memphis, I think, was struggling financially uh, more so than it is now. Uh, so that may have played a role in um, they just got outbid. Uh, there's a nominating committee composed of historians that select the performers category. It's made up of 500 so-called music experts. And uh, to be eligible, you can become on the ballot 25 years after your debut album. Now, that came into play with Nirvana. 85% of the people listening to this think Nevermind was their first album. Actually, it wasn't Bleach, which may have come out a year or two years before. I'm, I think it was in 89. Okay, I'm not the biggest Nirvana uh, you know, expert. Uh, so they got in on their first, first ballot uh, because of when that album came out. And so they picked the uh, performers that have the highest number of votes, but they must all have at least 50% of the total vote. And now, uh, I don't know how recent this is. Eddie Trunk has discussed this at length. Um, uh, Chris and I differ on our opinion of Eddie Trunk. I, I love Eddie Trunk. Um, but he has been probably the, the had the loudest bully horn when it comes to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, and he's probably helped out a lot. And I don't, the problem is with Eddie Trunk, I mean, the guy's a wealth of knowledge. I just don't like that all he wants to do is tell you, my friend this, my friend that. I mean, the guy, he can't go two minutes without trying to name drop his friend. And it just gets, it's a little redundant and everybody notices it. I mean, there's, there's some truth there. I'm not going to argue with that. But uh, Eddie has said that now Hall of Fame members are getting a vote. And um, when Metallica went in, it was kind of a turning point because Lars Ulrich, um, polarizing guy amongst a lot of music fans, but he's very passionate about the bands that he likes and that were you know, influential to him. And at that time, one of the greatest snubs was Deep Purple. And Eddie Trunk credits Lars with being the driving engine. And so now that we've had Deep Purple, we've had Metallica, uh, we've had Guns N' Roses, we've had Van Halen. Rush. Rush. Rush was, a, was the other big one that was out there for a while. These guys are voting now. And so um, I think we're going to see heavier and heavier bands uh, put in. And they also have an early influence category. And this is what comes up if you get in an argument with somebody at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. When I say Tupac Shakur should not be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they're going to throw up that Jimmy Rogers is in, is in, who's considered the father of country music. He's in there in the early influence category, along with people like Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf. Well, let's just be honest with you. If there wasn't for blues music, Led Zeppelin One would never have been recorded. Yeah, I mean, um, the Stones were a blues band right. when they came out. Blues band. And... You know, if you know anything about music, rock and roll is basically just blues licks sped up yeah. with some distortion. Um, anyway, uh, some of the criticisms, like Chris said, it's controlled by just a few. These pe most of these people are not musicians. Uh, uh, a lot of them. It's Chris and I were talking. It's kind of like the you know Rolling Stone magazine's a joke now compared to what it used to be. It used to be very influential. It was a big deal to be on the cover. 
and and they kind of set the standard for a lot of music in the 70s and 80s and early 90s and uh if i'm getting the guy's name wrong uh, it's david frick or david fricky i've never heard anybody pronounce yeah. it uh it's people like him they have their their little bands that they champion and they're the ones that usually get in and if you look at the genres that are left out prog rock funk 60s top 40 and most notably glam metal um are not uh in not represented in the hall and the last criticism is the hall actually selects what band members are going to be inducted now if i told you robert trujillo was inducted from metallica would you say he's deserving not at all not at all um he he didn't record on any of their hits right none of them at the time he was inducted the only album I think he had recorded on was Death Magnetic because St. Anger, I think, was in the Bob can. Rock played it. Yeah, Bob Rock was the bassist. Um, so, th- you know, we're seeing that this year with Pearl Jam, the drummer uh, for Pearl Jam, I cannot pronounce his last name. I know Dave, you're talking about Dave Abruiz or Abruizzi yeah. or something like that. I mean, if you, if you watch the iconic MTV performance of them playing Animal, he's wearing those drums out. You know, he was on Versus, which is a... It was a huge album. It's actually my favorite album uh, by Pearl Jam. He's being left off. and But yet when Springsteen was inducted to the Hall of Fame, I mean, I think they were pulling people from the concession stand to come up there and accept, you know, the nomination. Because uh, it was so many people got inducted. Anyway, those are some, uh, this is kind of the process of how uh, people get in. And uh, those are some of the most uh, noteworthy criticisms and I'm going to turn it over to Chris to give me his thoughts. Well, first, the thing is, I just don't believe that rap should be in there. I, I don't, and I don't think that, quite honestly, I don't think that, it's not that it's not, it's not just because I don't like the genre of rap, and I don't, but country needs to just be, you know, artists like Johnny Cash need to be in there. Um They played, they had rock sound songs, they, they, they did some rock. Tupac, it's all straight up rap, and they put in what Grandmaster Flash or it's like that. That's not rock and roll. I feel like there should be three rock calls: country, which there is one, rock and roll, and then you can call R and B, rap, whatever you want to call it. But it just it it doesn't belong. And how a band, how somebody like Tupac gets in, you know, before Iron Maiden, The Cure, how does that happen? So that's a big problem I have with them. I don't think there should be rap. And, you know, I'm a very, as as we talk about, I'm, I'm a very diverse music fan. I love all kinds of genres. But when I talk about the snubs, most of them are metal. And it's because of that, like I said, that elitist mentality, a snobby mentality. They don't respect or appreciate any of that stuff. And it's not just glam. It's just metal in general. It's getting better. Those bands that you named are all recent additions, and it took a long, long time. So it is getting better. But certain bands, when you think of somebody like Motley Crue, the success that they have had, and you can say influenced a lot of bands as well, sold a ton of records. They probably won't ever make it. It's possible, but they probably won't. And that's just blasphemy. Well, I think it took 10 years being on the ballot for Kiss to get in. I mean, outside outside of Eddie Van Halen, if you picked up a guitar after 1975, the second biggest influence you're probably going to hear is Ace Frehley. 
Well, Kiss, I mean, most all the bands that you you love, like that we loved growing up, that's who they were influenced by is Kiss. So if you're going, I guess my point is, you know, you asked me about the, the guys, the people that were getting inducted. You know, I can see some, I said Joan Baez. She's not my cup of tea. She deserves to be in there. So if you're one of these people that, you know, you want to look at only, you know, bands like the Talking Heads, if you only want to look at that style, if that's your, your type of music, that's fine. But you need to show an appreciation for these other ones. Just because it's not for you, doesn't you can't take away its significance. A good example we talked about yesterday is Chicago. I'm never going to go out and buy a Chicago CD. Not for me, but I'm never gonna they need to, to be them. in there. They need to be in there. Um, you know, I, I'm going to give a bit of a soapbox here on Pearl Jam. Uh, I like Pearl Jam. Personally, think they're slightly overrated, but um, they were part of a, the first wave of what you know went on to be known as grunge. But there was this rush to have them first ballot. It's kind of like I'm a big baseball fan. That's a big big thing in baseball. If you're a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know that's when people introduce you, they'll introduce you. He was a first ballot, you know, Hall of Famer. And I feel like that with bands like Metallica and Pearl Jam, should have let some other people go in, you know, go in first. And another pet peeve I have, I watch the induction ceremony every year, have for a number of years. You cannot have a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony without one of the following introducing a band. Michael Stipe, Bruce Springsteen, Eddie Vedder, or Kid Rock. I challenge you to find a ceremony. It's like those are the four people. You know that are going. So to, they're not allowed to choose their own. Uh, from what I understand, I was listening to an interview the other day, and I, it was somebody that's going in this year and said that they haven't been told. Um, I know Green, they haven't been told who their presenter is going to be. Right. Okay. Um, and you know, um, Eddie Vedder was Dave Grohl before there was Dave Grohl when it came to being a rock star. For years, Eddie Vedder was the only person that the. I guess you would call it the mainstream media as far as, you know, covering music, thought ex they were the only rock star there was. Now, Vetter, though, is very upfront, honest about his influences, and I think that's, you know, he's, he's very poetic about, about expressing that uh, when he's inducted people. But the Tupac Shakur thing, I have nothing against rap music. It's not something I listen to, but, I mean, those guys, they're talented at what they do. It's just not something that, that does it for me then don't call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Call it the American Music Hall yes. of Fame. Call it the Rap Hall of Fame. Call it whatever you want. But there's you know, there's nothing about Tupac Shakur that's rock and roll. Now, some people are going to say, what about the Beastie Boys? The Beastie Boys have an album where they played their own instruments. Um, and they sampled everybody. Uh, but um, they're a little bit different. I think they get a pass. On that, but let's be honest though, they got inducted because they were part of that New York elitist scene. Um, they were, you know, darlings of, of Rolling Stone magazine. Same way the Talking Heads were. I personally like the Talking Heads, but you know, if you were around uh, New York City, what when did the Talking Heads come out? 77, 78? Yeah, around there is late seventies. You know, they were the they were the thing, and um, you know, they went in and they, they certainly influenced a lot of people, but. There's just Tupac Shakur, and, and Madonna is another one. Um, I, I just don't think that's rock and roll. Now, some people say, what's well, the spirit? 
of rock and roll. It's in in no way is Tupac Shakur the spirit of rock. I mean, and I, roll. I get why you, not being for somebody like Madonna, but Madonna through history, I think I think she's always been. She's always been, you know, you, it's always been more, more rock than, I mean, it, it, there's a, there, it's closer to rock than, than just straight up rap. She's I closer mean, than Tupac Shakur. Yeah. And, and what I've, what I kind of said to you before is if, if you, if you want to start getting, picking straws too much, then you're going to have to have the rock and roll, the rap, the country hall, the pop hall, you know, the R&B hall, the folk hall. So you, that's why I've said. Three, country, rap, R&B, and rock. And that's what I think it should be. Well, I do have, and we both have, a number of people that we think are uh, snubs um, that aren't in there. One that uh, I think a lot of ours are probably the same. One I think of, that I think of is, and granted, I have not been on board with this band since 1992, but... Bon Jovi. They've sold 130 million albums. You know, and you can say what you want to about their music post um, post 92, but John Bon Jovi has, has managed to stay relevant at a time when people from that genre are, are, are laughing stock a lot of times. Here's your problem with Bon Jovi. And I know he hate I know John Bon Jovi hates this. He doesn't want any association with hair bands. But in the 80s, Bon Jovi was a hair band. As big as you can get. I don't care what he says, they were a hair band. So he can try to be, you know, the fellow New Jerseyan, Bruce Springsteen, and try to be the, try to change history, but he's going to always be remembered as a glam band. I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You go in and you see all these displays when you walk through this one little section of different genres of music, and they touch on everything, the punk, the new wave, Everything is in there. No glam. No hair bands. And look, I don't care if you hate it. You love it. It doesn't matter. In the late 80s, early 90s. It had an eight or nine year run. It was the probably the biggest selling form of music that there was. Sustained. So how do you not have a hall where you're showing the different genres and not have that? They don't. They don't have that in the hall. My point being, they're vehemently against it. And if they are, then somebody like Bon Jovi, it's going to be tough. He, he might make it. He's got a better chance than somebody like Motley Crue, but it's going to be tough. Right, and, and the other one that slides in, they have the same problem Bon Jovi has, is Def Leppard. Mm -hmm. um, 100 million albums sold. Hysteria, uh, last time I looked, I think it was 25 million albums. Um, you know, they had uh, Pyromania and Hysteria. Those are juggernauts uh, of albums. They're not, they're not going to get in for that the same reason. I, I think John Bon Jovi gets in before Def Leppard does. I would agree. I completely agree. Um, you also have a few that you think um, are snubs. Well, yeah, since we're just saying the ones that are going to be left out more than anybody are going to be, you know, I already mentioned, you, you know, you mentioned Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, and I've said Motley Crue a couple of times. They're going to have a tough time making it. And then you have bands like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. Well, after Black Sabbath, Judas Priest is the most important band in metal. You don't tell the story of heavy metal without Judas Priest. You could have a new wave of British heavy metal wing. Yeah, well, the thing is about with, with, uh, with and I've heard people talk about this before, 
even with Sabbath, you know, you had that blues influence. You had that blues sound. There was no blues in, in Priest. It's straight up metal. And they helped create that genre. And they're not respected. They're going to have a tough time. But they, I think both of them should be in. Both Judas Priest and Motley Crue. And then, and then I think, uh, staying on with the metal, Motorhead. You know, we, we spoke about this earlier. Just take just just the 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 two bass, the, the double bass drumming. That was basically created by Motorhead. Very influential band. And then the, the other ones that these aren't metal, but just some ones that I think some of these people like Tupac's getting in before the cure, before Depeche Mode, before the Smiths, before Warren Zevon. To me that that's crazy. Yeah, I, I definitely think, um, you know, The Cure should be in there. Depeche Mode should be in there. Another one that I thought of last night, I know you and I haven't even discussed this, but if you go back and look at their hits, Foreigner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Their first two albums are essentially hits. They've sold 80 million albums. I didn't realize they'd sold that many. Um, and then a, a band that you and I both agree, if you're going to put the talking heads in there, you got to put the cards in there. Yeah, they should be in there. No question. They should be in there. Um, you know, you talk about Foreigner, something that's kind of in that wheelhouse, Bad Company. Correct. There's another one. So I guess that's the problem I have, too. If you're going to put people like Tupac, Grandmaster Flash, if you're going to put them in, how do they go in before The Cure? Right. You know, and, and you know, you can say, and then I name, I think of another band, Thin Lizzy, and... I know Thin Lizzy did not have the hits. They had one hit. And so people may say they didn't have the success, but it was the influence that they had. You know, it can, and if you're going to try to go the success route, well, how do you explain Paul Butterfield or whoever that was that got in? They didn't even know who they were. And the thing about Thin Lizzy is they were, I mean, they really listened to, to you mentioned Metallica a couple of times in this, this show. Mentioned, if you hear Kirk and, and James Hetfield talk about their dual guitar playing, they said that was directly inspired by Thin Lizzy. And they're one of many, many dual guitar bands that cite Thin Lizzy as their inspiration. Right. If you watch a Metallica concert, um, a lot of times uh, Hetfield and, and Kirk, are, it's dual solos, note for note, which is Thin Lizzy. Yeah. I mean, they, they kind of, the way Motorhead created double bass, they were even more important they created that guitar sound and then just just Phil's you know his songwriting his lyrics I don't know well hopefully now that like we see you know another one we left off that got inducted is ACDC yeah um, definitely deserves. so it is getting better right um, and hopefully they will um, you know it, I believe the Foo Fighters are going to be up in two years maybe and they'll be a slam dunk they'll make it first year yeah I mean, they'll they'll be drooling over the Foo Fighters. Right, and nothing against the Foo Fighters. But I don't think their first ballot. Um, Foo Fighters. Uh, Foo Fighters to me are just an average rock band. Right, and I think uh, average is the only way I can describe them. But yet, for whatever reason, you know, the Grammys, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, all these people, they act like they're the only rock band that exists. And I'm sure Soundgarden's going to go in. Well, you know, but the thing is, they're eligible now, and they should be. I mean, they their first record I think was around 89 or something like that I mean they've been technically they're almost kind of in the categories being snubbed at this point right you know because you can think about the success they've had and they haven't made it in 
I just think once um, Pearl Jam goes in, you've got Pearl Jam, you've got Nirvana, um, and you're going to have Foo Fighters. You're going to have that's numerous votes from that scene. Allison Chains. They're they're that they could very well make it. They they could, even though uh, they pretty much started off as a glam band. Yeah, you know that that book I was telling you I read about the uh, Seattle music scene. You you read that and all these these insiders, all these Seattle guys, these grunge guys and all, they did not respect Alice Chains at all. They thought they were a joke, which was interesting reading that. But they went on to make a lot of money for a they joke. They did. But that's a topic for another day. But yeah, they don't get they don't get a lot of they didn't get a lot of respect. Well, anyway, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this podcast, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think it's. In April, maybe, and it airs on HBO, I think, in May or June. So uh, if you're a music fan, tune in to that. Um, like I said, please go to our Facebook page, Digital Killed the Radio Star Podcast, and also follow us on SoundCloud. And we hope to see you again in two weeks.